For the past two weeks, we've been telling you all about the life and times of Benjamin Franklin. In part one, we told you about his successes as a printer that made him a wealthy man who was able to retire at the age of 42. In the second episode, we detailed Ben's scientific breakthroughs and his absolute failure to find a peaceful resolution to the growing conflict between England and the American colonies. This week, we're wrapping up the story with a little trip to France, where Ben Franklin would be worshipped as a celebrity, enlist the French as allies, and negotiate peace with the Brits before heading home to die of death. You're going to learn a lot you probably didn't know, so why don't you go ahead and grab a drink, settle in, and enjoy this episode of 100 Proof History titled Benjamin Franklin Part 3. Wait, he wasn't a president? This is 100 Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. All right, welcome in, everyone. Join us. Sit around the campfire as we talk about Benjamin Franklin for the third time. <laughs> and uh, the whole president thing? Well, that's actually because in 2016, over a quarter of Americans polled believed that Ben Franklin had been a president. And a uh, little known fact, apparently, he was never a president. <laughs> We're not collectively a very smart people. Or, you know, I don't want to say smart. I want to say informed people. You had it right. <laughs> well, I don't know why I'm going to introduce me and my co-host on part three of something, but I will go ahead and do that. I'm Greg, and I'm joined by my sexy co-host, Christopher. Hello. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good. I mean, if, if it's always good to reset, you know, like Dan Carlin always does. And he's like, hey, what you're listening to is part four of 12 of this series. And if you don't want to start in the middle, you can go back here and the very beginning and actually learn what happened instead of starting in the middle or the end like a fucking weirdo. Like people don't know that. Oh, I don't <laughs> have to start at the latest episode. Oh, fuck. Man, that's so cool. <laughs> if only Ben Franklin, our former president, knew that. <laughs> same, same people. Yeah, it is. It is. But it's also the same people who haven't watched any of the Marvel movies, and they're just looking for a place to jump in, you know? Just trying to find the movie that can get them into the series without having to watch all 28 of them, right? So That's me. This is not the episode to start with. I don't feel like. I feel like you should actually go back to part one, but, you know, do need to give that disclaimer for, like you said, the idiots who thought Ben Franklin was the president. Well, Christopher, why not... Tell the audience, for the third time, <laughs> what our source is. Well, our source for this series has been Benjamin Franklin, An American Life, by Walter Isaacson. And again, does a great job telling the story of Ben Franklin's life. We're going to learn a little factoids that you, we're not going to really get into here for time reasons. If it was up to me, we would spend 12 days on Ben Franklin. Oh, so would Walter Isaacson. Oh, He's in love with yeah. the man. <laughs> yes, he is definitely in love with him. Even some of these things we're going to talk about today that don't really put Ben into a good light, Walter's like, well, if you really look at his side of things, you know, he he's, he's kind of got a point, you know. He's, he's, he wasn't philandering with women at that age. No. He was thinking of future me and him in a chateau in Paris. <laughs> Laying under a canopy bed. Okay, Walt. All right, calm down, Walter. Well, buddy, are you ready to get into the rest of this story, the final part of this story, to satiate the listener's learning desire? Oh, yeah, because we got a lot to cover, and uh, we ain't got no time to waste. I just went folksy on you with the ain't. All right, well, let's get into it, Jebediah. <laughs> When we last left you, Benjamin Franklin had spent 16 of the past 17 years in England attempting to convince the English to treat the colonists in America as their equals. In March of 1775, he realized he probably wasn't going to make that happen, so he hopped on a boat and headed back to Philadelphia. 
As he was sailing, a colonist militia and English troops clashed at Lexington, Massachusetts, kicking off the American Revolution. They're just waiting for him to get on the boat. Just waiting for Dad to leave the house so they invite everybody over for the party. Oh no. Google, how do you fix drywall? <laughs> My friend came inside of it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm Google, and even that surprised me. What the oh, fuck? Gross. Gross. <laughs> Oh, you're going to say somebody punched a hole in it. Guy nutted in the void space of a wall. <laughs> it wasn't even like a raucous party. Like, you guys were playing dominoes, and you look over, and this guy's just going to town on the fucking drywall. It's crazy. It was all those studs inside that turned him on, you know? <laughs> Construction joke. What's up? Greg, you're about to be a dad, so you obviously have to buy a stud finder and then use it on yourself. Already done it. <laughs> it didn't go off on me. It's like, oh no. Oh no. My wife was like, yeah, fucking knew it. Proved. Thank you. <laughs> By the time Ben landed in America, a Continental Congress was being formed and 70-year-old Ben Franklin was elected to represent Pennsylvania. He was by far the oldest member. Most of the other delegates hadn't even been born when Ben was first elected to represent Pennsylvania some 40 years earlier. As the proceedings began, Ben sat quietly, and when the topic of American independence came up, he didn't take sides, prompting some to believe he was a loyalist or a spy. And the truth was, he was 70, and he just fell the fuck asleep in the meetings. <laughs> he had a little, little snooze. <laughs> Not a big deal. Guy loved fucking turkey, man. Just tripped fan all day. He did love turkey. He really fucking loved turkey. He loved electrocuting them. You know, he loved, uh, thought they were um, majestic birds. Smarter than the bald eagle. They, I mean, technically. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get in there somewhere. In reality, Ben was just biding his time because he hoped to convert his son William to the American cause. The two of them met in New Jersey in May of 1775 and made small talk until they both got a little tipsy on Madeira wine, at which point they began to argue about politics. Oh no. Over turkey, just like every other Thanksgiving. Oh no. William tried to convince Ben to remain neutral, but Benjamin Franklin had been against authority his whole life, particularly in his writings, and he insisted that his son support the colonies. Now, unlike every other political argument ever, especially, you know, the ones you find online today, this one shockingly ended with each man unmoved and further entrenched in their own position. What? No. I know. They couldn't come to an agreement. They couldn't find common ground or anything, you know? Oh, my God. Just back and forth. All these logical fallacies and uh, whataboutisms and stuff like that, you know, just throwing shit out there. You know, that's crazy. Huh. Ben went back to Philly, and he publicly announced his support for Independence. Independence Day, the movie, actually. Oh. Is. Dude, the course of our entire history was changed by this. <laughs> he was talking about that. He's old as fuck. Oh, yeah. And people are like, you know what? He's right. It's been on the tips of everybody's tongues for too long. <laughs> and they really started to uh, turn the gears to get towards that. He was just talking about the movie Independence Day, ID4. <laughs> you know, like right after this, everybody's in an uproar like, yeah, hoorah, America. And he was still like talking about the movie. And he was like, oh, well, welcome to Earth. <laughs> and like pretend punching the alien like Will Smith did. That was lost on everyone. It's weird, these little tricks of fate yeah. that we find throughout history. <laughs> but that's why we're a podcast. We're here to uh, give that to the listener. Yeah. Give that perspective. What if he'd watch Dude, Where's My Car instead, you know? We'd still be British. Yeah. And dumber. <laughs> much dumber. So much dumber. But, you know, we'd have a good time. So. I'm pilot. I can fly. <laughs> well, with that support of Independence Day, the movie, Ben didn't have to worry about reuniting with his son because apparently he hated that fucking movie, and he became the loudest opponent of Britain. 
his son's like, it didn't make sense because they used a Mac on the alien spaceship. And like, how is that even going to fucking, I can't even play Diablo 4 on my Mac right now. And they're, they're connecting to a spaceship. Come on. Come on. That part was stupid. <laughs> well, Ben was made the first Postmaster General for America, a job that paid 1,000 pounds a year, which he donated to care for wounded soldiers. We're very alike in this way. Yeah? Ben and I, yeah. Mm. My uh, Amazon Smile charity that donates mm. like point zero 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 one percent of my purchases. Yeah. Goes to Wounded Warrior. Oh, nice. So, we're both, you know, kind, benevolent benefactors of a, a, a great charity, if you will. I should do that because my wife spends so much on Amazon, right, fellas? <laughs> wife jokes. <laughs> yeah, my bad joke just turned into a worse joke. <laughs> ben was also placed in charge of creating a paper currency for the rebels and develop bills that were difficult to counterfeit. In October of 1775, as the war was raging on, Ben rode out to meet with General George Washington as a part of a committee designed to help Washington straighten out his motley crew of rebel soldiers. He was just tired of hearing Dr. Feelgood. Well, I knew it was coming, goddammit. <laughs> it sounds even worse when it's just fife and drum. <laughs> well, as a part of this committee, Ben created a list of punishments, such as 39 lashes for sleeping on duty, 7 days in the brig for going AWOL, and the death penalty for mutiny. As he was riding back to Philly, Ben stopped in New Jersey to see William. It would turn out to be the last time he saw William in person, other than a very tense meeting 10 years later. Of course, neither man knew that, so they kept the meeting short. I think there's a lesson there. I think there's... You never know. You just never know when it's the last time you're going to talk to somebody. Like, if I could turn back the clocks, like that time I was at uh, my grandparents' house dropping me off that chafing dish, and I saw my grandpa, and I didn't say anything, you know? It was it was, it was just, hey, I'm just dropping this off, and I got a, other errands to run. I'm going to, you know, have a, a normal day. But that's the last time I saw him, and I, my God, I, I would have looked at him. I, would, I looked him right in the eye and said, I've read your diaries. I know what you did in the war. And you need to give me $5 and a Werther's original, you son of a bitch, or I'm calling the Mossad agents on you. All right, that's funny, because the implication is that he's a Nazi. What the fuck is a chafing dish? That's a little buffet thing. Aren't you from the 50s, like me? And everything in your life is exactly like Mad Men? It's like the thing you put on a buffet, and you put the little candle, the sterno under it, and it heats up the dish, and you can open it up and get your food, get your whatever... Tuna that's what surprise that's casserole? Yeah. Oh, I used a million of those last weekend. Well, I used six of them. I didn't know that's what that's called. Yep. I mean, these days it's disposable, like tinfoil made, and you put the little, yeah, the gel fuel under them. Yeah. Chafing dish. Yeah, the one with the lid, like they have the hotel where you open it up and get the powdered eggs out. Okay. You're waiting for your wife to let you come back home, but you still get the free breakfast. That one. Good to know. Yep. In March of 1776, Ben and another committee embarked on a journey to Saratoga to visit the struggling army of one Benedict Arnold. Benedict? Still a dict. Got him! Piece Woo! of shit. The trip was hell on Ben, and by the time they returned to Philly in late May, he was covered in boils and had to develop gout so bad they could not leave his house for days. He believed he had done his last duty for America until he was paid a surprise visit by General Jesus George Washington, and his spirits were once more lifted. On June 15th, William Franklin was declared an enemy of the liberties of this country. He was arrested and tried and spoke defiantly to the Continental Congress. Ben didn't lift so much as a finger to help his son who was convicted and thrown in prison. William wrote to his illegitimate son, Temple, to tell him to obey his grandfather, Ben, and that he hoped one day they would all be happily reunited. Well, that's sweet, at least. It is, and this is kind of a running theme through all their letters. I laugh. Uh, it's just, it's unfortunate because, like, William's like, oh, I love my dad. He's a great guy, and I hope we can be, you know, together again and reunite. And 
Ben's like that piece of fucking shit. Like anytime he's brought up, he just completely ignores him in the letter. Like, hey, uh, William was convicted. He's like, that's cool. Have you got my chafing dish? Can you send that back to me? Because I really need it for a party I'm having this weekend to celebrate some other asshole being arrested. Not my son. <laughs> I'm not celebrating my son being arrested. That made me a heartless monster. <laughs> hey, uh, William told me to tell you hi. Oh, yeah? What else did that flamboyant <laughs> have to say? <laughs> uh, Jesus, Grandpa! You can't say that! Changing the subject. <laughs> you see what Trump said? <laughs> oh, you, you see what those immigrants are up to? Oh, those bastards. <laughs> Let me tell you something. <laughs> well, the next step for the Americans was to draft a Declaration of Independence. The task of writing it came down to three men. John Adams, Ben Franklin, and Thomas Jefferson. Franklin refused because he said he didn't like writing public documents. Adams believed he had already written something that would work, and so the job was given to 33-year-old Tom Jeff. The first draft was finished in late June. Jefferson gave Ben a copy to revise. For the most part, Franklin left it alone but made one big change when he swapped up the line, quote, We hold these truths to be sacred and undeniable, end quote, to, quote, we hold these truths to be self-evident, end quote. Ben didn't want anyone to think that independence was based on faith, but rather was a blatantly obvious fact. The document was signed on July... <laughs> Sorry, I suddenly lost all self-confidence in the middle of that sentence. <laughs> Had a stroke while driving and swerved off the goddamn road. Okay, here we go. Dude, that's a fear of mine. Like, maybe maybe I'm going through a down period or something, mm -hmm. and I'm just driving along, but I have like a brain aneurysm or just a stroke, and I veer yeah. into oncoming traffic, and people are like, oh. That was that's, on purpose. What a piece <laughs> of shit. He, that's yeah. the way he chose to go, take out that family of four. Yeah. So like, no, no, I... I had, I had every reason to live. I just wasn't, I wasn't happy at the moment. I'm scared of that. Like, and then people are like, "Man, he fucking he killed himself." Yeah. No, I didn't. See, I've I've had the opposite intrusive thought. Like the other end, I'm like, what if I just like floored it and smashed in that telephone pole? Could I get away with people thinking, "Oh, he must have had like a stroke or a heart attack or something and couldn't control it." It's weird that he died with a gun in his mouth, too. It's like he was covering for something. And a Subway sandwich in the passenger seat. Why didn't he eat it? It's so stupid. And who gets a cold-cut combo toasted? It makes no sense. The guy was off his rocker. <laughs> it says cold right in the goddamn name. <laughs> well, the document was signed on July 4th, 1776. And Nicholas Cage has been trying to get his hands on it ever since. Later that month, Ben was contacted by Admiral Richard Howe, commander of the British forces in America. The two had met years earlier in England in hopes of staving off war, but now that it was ongoing, Howe was looking for someone to negotiate with. Franklin was given permission to speak with Howe as a part of a group including John Adams. Howe proposed everything would go back to normal, but the Americans could have their own legislatures and control their own taxes. Ben told them that they could politely fuck off if they thought the Americans would be loyal to King George now that the English had killed their people and burned their towns. Howe said thanks for nothing, and the war continued on. Two weeks later, Ben was chosen to go to France to try and convince the French to join the war on the American side. He landed in Brittany in late 1776 with his two grandsons, 17-year-old Temple and 7-year-old Benny. That poor Brittany. <laughs> poor Benny. He wasn't ready for that shit. No. I mean, there's a lot of victims here. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Horny old bastard. Couldn't even tell his grandson to go play on his Switch or something. Hey, go watch some videos on your tablet. <laughs> Dude, Temple was only 17. Oh, yeah, but he's ready to be a man. Well, yeah. When you're 17, would you want to land in Brittany with your grandpa covered in I thought, boils? <laughs> I thought that was a normal experience. 
Your grandpa didn't take you to a bunny ranch and say, pick one. None of them have feelings. They're not real people. No. My uncle took me to the video game aisle of Toys R Us and said, pick one. (laughs) And then he landed in me, covered in boils. (laughs) But you were 18, not 17, so you're more ready for it. It was a present for my 18th birthday. (laughs) (laughs) No, Brittany is a place, Gregory. Uh, And Ben didn't tell William or William's wife Elizabeth that he was taking Temple to France. And Elizabeth would die a year later without ever seeing William or Temple again. (laughs) Upon his arrival in France, Ben was settled into a massive, opulent estate, which became America's first foreign embassy. Dinner was served at 2 p.m., and each meal was a seven-course feast like having Thanksgiving every fucking day. And I'm not going to lie, we went to uh, Mount Vernon a while back, me and my family, and they said George Washington was similar. He would have breakfast at 10 a.m., and then at 3 p.m., he'd basically have Christmas dinner every fucking day. I'm like, you know what? That actually sounds pretty awesome. Like, how few responsibilities you must have throughout the day be like, okay, I'll wake up and have biscuits and gravy from Whataburger at 10. And you know what? Uh, I'm going to have a fucking goose at 3. And, and you know, pies and mashed potato. Oh, man, it's going to be the rest of my day. You can do that. That is going to be the rest of my fucking day is just eating. It just sounds amazing. Oh, I'm so broke with these thousands of acres of land that I keep acquiring <laughs> and all these slaves to cook me these lavish banquets and work the land. Yeah. Oh, woe is me. That was George Washington. Yeah, he was always complaining about being out of money. Like, he had to go door-to-door in Ohio collecting rent from the people who lived on the land he owned out there. Because he would also, if you showed up at his house, it didn't matter who the fuck you were, you showed up. He's like, okay, well, come on, have my Christmas dinner with me, and uh, I'll tell you stories about the war and stuff. You know, just settle in. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, Franklin instantly took a shine to the hostess of that estate her eldest daughter, and to another teenage girl. He continued to flirt with every French woman he met and even eventually proposed marriage to an eccentric cat lady named Madame Helvetius. But he did so in like a half-joking manner so that she could say no and spare both of the reputations. That's how I frame every proposal ever. Hey, just feel free to say no, no big deal, no big deal, but... uh. You want to S this D? And the guy at the seven one is like, dude, n- no, I, I just Do you have a you rewards know. number or not? <laughs> you bought a small Slurpee and a pack of ultra small Trojans. No, I think I'm going to pass. Thank you. Uh, called Trojan Petites, Chris. <laughs> now, our main source says at this point, Ben only flirted with women. But other sources said the old horny bastard was still going to pound town on the regular. To be fair to Walter Isaacson, at this point in his life, Ben was more often covered in boils and suffering from gout than he wasn't. So we'll just let you guys be the judge. Judge, Judy, and executioner. Franklin spent the rest of 1776 dealing with the French foreign minister, the Comte de Virgin, and attempting to gain France's support. France was scared of starting yet another full-blown war with the English, so they only offered secret aid and did not recognize America as an independent nation. Ben was unaware that one of the members of his entourage, Edward Bancroft, was a British spy operating under the very clever name of Dr. Edward Edwards. Genius. Pretty much every time America asked for aid, Bancroft would tell the Brits, who would coincidentally remind the French that aiding the colonial rebels was tantamount to a declaration of war. And so, that's how most of 1777 went until the Americans won a massive surprise victory over the English at the Battle of Saratoga. Now, the French believed America could win, and they wanted a piece of that pie. Ben Franklin cleverly played both sides and began openly talking about peace with the English. The French came first and signed a treaty of friendship and alliance. And Greg, I don't know if you've checked your fax machine, but I have sent you one of those. A treaty of friendship and alliance. And 
why don't you just mull over it over the break and see if you can sign it and actually agree to be my friend after four years? Uh, dude, you know, I don't really want to mix, like, friendship and business. You understand. Mm. It's nothing personal. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. It makes uh, sense. <laughs> uh, anyway, I got, a, I got a phone call to make, so uh, let's go on break. All right. All right. Alright, welcome back to 100 Proof History, the only podcast that is a part of this complete breakfast. Of a complete breakfast? No, this complete breakfast. That's what the commercials always said when they showed you the bowl of cereal surrounded by actual food that was good for you. Let's say part of a complete breakfast. Did it? Part of a complete breakfast. Mm, yeah. I always thought it was part of this complete breakfast and it Look showed it you like the grapefruit and the bacon and the eggs and the pancakes. Yeah. Orange juice, milk, water. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Like, who got that complete breakfast every day? Rich people? Not me. Ben Franklin? Yeah, that's true. Fair enough. I got fucking Lucky Charms and water. The fucking marshmallows dissolved in the water. It was horrible. Yeah, I actually used to eat uh, toaster strudel and a Pop-Tart. And uh, I've mentioned a version of this before. Mm-hmm. But what I would do was I'd make the toaster strudel, right? Mm-hmm. And then I would put on the, you know, the icing on the top. And then I would get the Pop-Tart, and I would scrape off the icing from the top of that, and that would I would dust the strudel gel with the <laughs> icing from the Pop-Tart, right? Yeah. And, dude, that much sugar? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's going to make your mouth a little dry, so you need to hydrate. Mm-hmm. So I would make a dipping sauce, and all it was was I would get into my dad's simple syrup, mm-hmm. pour it in a little bowl, and then completely submerge the <laughs> toaster strudel in a bowl and eat it with a spoon like it was cereal. <laughs> and then I went to school, and I acted like a fucking demon for like an hour and a half, and I passed out for the rest of the day. <laughs> Vomited all over your, your nap mat. Mm-hmm. And that's how I have this uh, insulin pump since I was 15. <laughs> It's a sweet robot foot you have, though. Part of A, complete breakfast. Fair enough, you win. (laughs) Well, we have more story to get to. We have a whole second half of this story to get to. I don't know about Greg, but my drink I'm about to have is sugar-free, so I feel a little bit healthier drinking it. But uh, that drink is something we like to call the second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Three, two, one. Ah, you got me in the mouth a little. Mine does have two grams of sugar. I guess I'll go ahead and hit that pump button. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> I just picture you like the buffet. You see that piece of chocolate cake, and you're just like jamming on the pump button for a second. Like, okay, how many is this going to take? All right. All right, I have five minutes to eat this, or I'm going to fucking die. Let's see. I start <laughs> sweating in line. I'm good old fucking pasty white. Some ladies up there arguing about the price. Some like, God damn it, get out of the way. There are lives at stake. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get back into Ben Franklin. Sexy old boil-covered Ben Franklin. Tell you what happens in the rest of his life, and to do that, we have sexy old insulin-pumped-up Greg. Greg, are you ready to tell the story? Just had my childhood favorite fucking bowl, so I can't wait. In April 1778, shortly after the treaties with the French had been signed, John Adams arrived in Paris to join Franklin's delegation. (laughs) Oh, he fell asleep. Two hours later. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> anyway. Well, Franklin and Adams were both very intelligent men, but were otherwise incredibly different. Adams was extremely religious and moral. He was argumentative and unbending and loved confrontation. 
On the flip side, Franklin was not religious at all. He was flirtatious, and rather than confront people, he preferred to seduce them to his side. As a result, they had an interesting working relationship where they disagreed on a lot of things, but Franklin never reacted to Adam's taunts. So Ben basically lived rent-free in Adam's head, while John spent countless hours slandering Franklin to Congress and in the American press. We really are going to have to do a show on John Adams because he's such an interesting dude. He's very smart, very good at his job, but he's such a little bitch about basically everything. Well, that's why he was cast by Paul Giamatti. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Guy looks like the ultimate backstabber. Yeah, just... Like, he talks shit about everybody. Like, he was Washington's vice president, and he's like, oh, Washington didn't know what the fuck he's doing. He wasn't educated, fucking moron, piece of shit. Hey, George, how you doing? You looking good? No, he was conniving. Well, it pissed Adams off even more to know that the French absolutely loved Franklin. He bitched to the French that they only loved Ben for his philosophies and science, but he... But he was a shitty politician and pointed out that Franklin didn't speak grammatically correct French. Their response was a resounding, okay? They loved Ben to the point that when he was spotted wearing a fur cap, that instantly became the must-have fashion accessory for all the ladies of Paris. What Adams didn't get was that the French loved Ben precisely because he did his own thing and didn't seem to give a fuck about what people thought about it. Ben also continued his trend of being kind of a complete shithead of a father. When his daughter Sally wrote to him from America to say she had been invited to a party at George Washington's house and she needed nice shit from Paris, Ben told her that her asking for things disgusted him as much as if he had, quote, put salt in my strawberries, end quote. Yeah, everybody knows you gotta just squirt that toaster strudel frosting all over strawberries to make them even tolerable. Yeah, and then you shave off the frosting of the Pop-Tart. <laughs> it gives it a nice contrast of, you know, squishy and, and hard. It's Then <laughs> oh. you just lick all that stuff off the strawberry and throw the strawberry away because gross. It was in the ground. It's covered in well, yeah, it's just a bug poop. It's a transfer device. <laughs> You're not supposed to eat the strawberry. Yeah, no. Well, he told her to spin her own silk dress. She did, and then sent him some silk for Ben to give to Marie Antoinette. Unfortunately, the silk was stained in shipment, and Ben wrote back, quote, I wonder how, having yourself scarce shoes to your feet, it would come into your head to give clothes to a queen. Sally finally earned her father's esteem when she organized the women of Philly and began making uniforms for the war. I feel so bad for her. After all that, like, she's, like, trying her best to impress Daddy. And he's like, oh, yeah, fucking make your own dress. And she's like, look at what I made, Dad. And he's like, yeah, this is a piece of shit. (laughs) Way to fucking go. You're trying to give this to the Queen of France, you fucking idiot. Oh. Oh, look, you got her head chopped off. Nice going. Way to go, idiot. Fucking moron. Stupid girl. (laughs) Stupid girl doing stupid girl things. Ugh. Now, up to 1779, the American delegation had been led by three men, Ben Franklin, John Adams, and Arthur Lee. It was then that Congress realized things would go better if only one man was in charge. Arthur Lee nominated himself. Ben Franklin stayed quiet. John Adams shockingly nominated Franklin. Congress chose Ben, which pissed Lee off, and Even though it had been his suggestion, it also pissed off John Adams. (laughs) Fuck. He he wanted to get nominated back in return. Yeah. Like, he's like, Oh, you're supposed to return the favor, you piece of shit. I I nominate you, you nominate me. Like, we vote for each other. And then he's eliminated, and then we go to a a runoff, dude. Yeah. What the fuck? (laughs) Adams grew even more pissy when the ship he was supposed to take home was commandeered by Franklin for the war, and his departure was delayed. Now, in his defense, Franklin had swiped that ship in the hopes of using it in the imminent invasion of mainland England led by a certified HPH hero, the Marquis de Lafayette. Franklin's grandson, Temple, who had spent the past few years fucking his way through France, would join the expedition as Lafayette's right-hand man. 
And my right-hand man is HPH legend, Hambone. <laughs> Actually, he's not going to make an appearance. I have him in a uh, homemade sarcophagus oh, at the my moment. God. So if you want to know what the fuck I'm talking about, you'll have to go listen to the back catalog. Mm. Uh, even though he goes back to damn near the beginning. Like episode 17 or some shit. <laughs> yeah, I might suggest starting at the uh, USS Indianapolis. Yeah. If you want to if you want to learn more, heavily featured in that one. <laughs> yeah. And then once you do that, you'll be like, why did I choose to learn more about this? What was <laughs> I? <laughs> why do I want to know about a disembodied hand that travels through space and time and infects people, but has a penchant for penis <laughs> and googly eyes glued onto <laughs> And that's when you have that aneurysm. Mm-hmm. And you accidentally go into the opposite lane of traffic and you die, <laughs> and people think it's suicide. But really, your mind just exploded. You forget every bit of high school Spanish you learned, but you remember what Hambone said about the sailors on the USS Indianapolis. Mm. Worth it. The tales we weave, the lives we live. Well, needless to say, Lafayette and Temple's attack on mainland England was scrapped. But the ship was used to wreak absolute havoc on the English, so John Adams could go fuck himself for being such a whiny little bitch. And speaking of John Adams, he was such a prick that he was only home a few months before Congress got tired of his shit and sent him right back to Paris to work on negotiating a peace with the English and French. Despite being a dickhead, Adams had the absolute correct view that the French were taking advantage of the Americans for their own ends, and they would eventually cut off aid, and that Franklin was being naive in his love for them. Yeah, John is the living embodiment of the quote from the Big Lebowski, you're not wrong, you're just an asshole. Because he's, most of the time, he's right about what he's talking about. He's just fucking dickhead about it. Just gotta make a big spectacle about how right he is about everything. Yeah, which makes people want to naturally push back against it. Mm-hmm. As opposed to Franklin, who's like, why do you think you're right? And they have to explain mm-hmm. it. He's like, well, here's why I think I'm right. And like, well, that was really nice of you, Ben. I, I agree with you. You're right. And he's like, yeah, fuck yeah. Come suck my big Ben FD. Ben FD. Yeah. That's what he called it. His big Ben FD. Because he created the fire department, and also he has a big... <laughs> Sounds like a menu item at Denny's. <laughs> Have the Ben FD, please. <laughs> the lady will have a moons over my hammy. Thank you. <laughs> well, the British weren't ready to make any sort of deals involving the French, so Adams was once more kicked out of Paris, and he was sent to Holland to beg for money. In March of 1781, Franklin got the French to donate six million livres to the American cause. Ben was now 75 years old still suffering from gout and weakness, and asked Congress to let him resign and to give his grandson Temple a job. Congress refused and told him he was now on the team that would negotiate with England as well as France. In October of that same year, his job got a lot easier when the Americans defeated General Cornwallis at Yorktown and effectively won the American Revolution. Throughout 1782, Franklin negotiated a peace. Alongside him was John Jay, who would become America's first Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, and the human genital wart known as John Adams. Despite Adams' pure hatred for Franklin, once he arrived, they got along famously. Jay and Adams were even able to open Ben's eyes to the fact that the French weren't going to recognize American independence as a part of the deal, and got that changed. The treaty was signed in September of 1783, officially ending the war and making the United States of America an official, internationally recognized country. And I'm proud to be an American. Or at least I know I'm free. There will be no Lee Greenwood. Whatever, it's our last episode. Come on, man. He's banned. (laughs) Ben's work in Paris was done, but he would still spend another two full years there. He observed the first hot air balloons. He invented the bifocal glasses. 
And he wrote a pissy letter when he found out Congress had selected the bald eagle as America's bird and not the turkey, which he believed was a tougher and smarter animal. Tipple, the illegitimate son of Ben's illegitimate son William, had an illegitimate son of his own and invited Ben Franklin's old sex buddy, Polly Stevenson, to live with the family. That's weird. That's all, yeah. I mean, they're unrelated. I mean, just... Of course. Yeah. He's like, hey, I think like her husband had died, her mom had died, who Ben had also banged. He's like, why don't you just come stay with us? Just come hang out with us a little bit, you know? Maybe I can get in on that action. Maybe I can see what old grandpa was talking about when I sat on his lap and he said... You know, we don't know who your mother is, and we will never acknowledge her in public, but you're my illegitimate grandson, and I love you. Hey, Polly, let me give you that Ben F.D. Jr. (laughs) Wait, wait, that came out the wrong way. No! The Ben F.D. Jr. Jr. (laughs) Regular-sized. Regular-sized. Let me give you that average Ben F.D. Jr. Junior, because I'm his grandson. You see, see how is this working on you? Are you moist yet? I'm sorry. <laughs> junior, Junior, XXL edition. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> Polly, Polly, wake up. You fell asleep again. <laughs> yeah, you're 70 years old now. I understand. It makes sense. Say, Polly, where'd you get those boils on your genitals from? <laughs> ben FD. First confirmed case of HPV. <laughs> In May of 1785, Congress finally accepted Ben's resignation, and he decided to return home to Philadelphia. Just missed the smell of shit, I guess. Yeah. And crime. And piece of shit, asshole human beings. And cheese whiz. I do like cheese whiz. Yeah, it's, it's all right. Well, as he was leaving, his replacement, Thomas Jefferson, noted that all the women embraced him with tears in their eyes. Jefferson wrote, quote, I told him I wished he would transfer these privileges to me, but he answered, You are too young a man! End quote. <laughs> we wrote it. You don't know what his writing accent is. That's so. true. And he's like, Someday, Thomas Jefferson, you'll figure out how to be a man whore and ruin your legacy like I have. But... Today is not that day, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the day he left was also the last time Ben ever saw his son, William, who had fled to London following the war. There were no hugs or tears at this meeting, just some haggling over William's properties and debts in America. Ben arrived back home in Philly, welcomed by cheers, bells, and cannon fire, much to his relief after he had heard all the shitty things Arthur Lee and John Adams had written about him. He lived a quiet life, struggling with his various ailments for the next two years, and was then called to join the Constitutional Convention to help draft America's most important document. The Second Amendment. That's right, fellas. Oh, no. Yep. Is it Steve? Shall not be infringed. Hello. Hey, how are you doing, Greg? You doing all right? Hi, Steve, our ultra-conservative listener. How are you? Doing all right, you know, because... We have the the most important document ever written, and like you said, that was the Second Amendment. Like, you addressed it that way, and I feel like that's accurate. I didn't say that. You said that. No, you alluded to it, I feel. You know, it's like they always say, we always finish each other's, uh, you know, um, uh, we always finish each other's. Oh, fuck, fuck, (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we're on the same page, brother. Fellow white brother. But, uh, you know, I feel like that that amendment's going to come in handy in the the following days, because some people are persecuting their political enemies, you know, and just going after them for, because they want to be president and make this country great again, like it, it used to be before we didn't make it great for those four years, but we'll figure that part out, okay? We'll go forward, we'll make it great, but we, we need to get the guns, that's all I'm saying. All right, Steve. All right. Well... Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me all the time, man. You guys are you guys are great. I'm always on the show. It feels like, you know, you guys uh, uh-huh. are really inviting of my opinions all the time. Well, hey, we want you to feel right at home. So mm-hmm. uh, why don't you go downstairs? We mm-hmm. have a replica Liberty Bell and a bunch of Cheese Whiz. So please help yourself. All right. Hell yeah, brother. Go Eagles. Sorry about that, guys. 
So ultra conservative Steve, he just God. We need to hire security. I know. So we can't keep this guy out, man. I'm I need to take Hambone out of the sarcophagus and start <laughs> checking people's pants at the door. At least delay him for a few minutes. I don't know. He might get enamored with Steve's truck nuts. <laughs> get distracted. Yeah. Anyway. Well, while at the convention to help draft America's most important document, not the Second Amendment, Ben didn't actually, he didn't add a whole lot. People noted he was a bit unfocused in his speeches, and some of his ideas didn't make a lot of sense. Just like Sleepy Joe Barat, get out of here! Oh God, damn Jesus! Damn. Somebody get him out! I'm on it. No, okay. He's in a sarcophagus, dude. <laughs> He's in a sarcophagus. Right. Keep the continuity He's a fucking intact. Mummy hand. <laughs> He's like Han Solo in the graphite. Oh, okay. And when he did propose ideas, he'd use long made-up fables that he had written to justify them. Most of his own proposals were shot down, but he did get the convention to compromise on how the legislature would be divided. Some states wanted a legislature based on state population, some wanted an equal number of representatives, and another man actually proposed that they have both. But Ben heard that and said it louder. So everyone agreed to it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I hate this person. He's every guy in every high school class I was in. I'll say something funny. Yeah. But do it meekly. I'm a meek boy. And then Mr. Jock Stevenson would fucking stand up and <laughs> proclaim it loudly and pound his chest. And everybody would laugh. <laughs> they think he's and so And I'd reach funny. into my backpack and start to pull that gun. No, 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 no I'm not doing it. <laughs> not today. Not today, friend. All the girls would love him. They go out with him, and he can't make a single fucking joke. Then all of a sudden, he's paying me to be his Cyrano de Bergerac, or however you say that French word. And I'm still, I'm still left in the corner, just masturbating furiously while he's having sex with them, saying all the funny lines. It's just not fair. Life isn't fair. I wasn't gonna say pulled a gun out, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah. What were you gonna say? I was going to say, pull a gun and night figurine of Han Solo out. <laughs> I just don't want anybody thinking that I'm, you know, being insensitive. It's carbonate. No, what I pulled out of my backpack was gun and night, dude. <laughs> okay, sorry. It wasn't sorry. an exact replica, you piece of shit. <laughs> you weren't a rich child, I remember. Jesus. I pulled it out of my backpack. You think I, the big fucking actual thing from a fictional movie, I pulled it out? What's wrong with you, dude? I don't anyway. Know. So many things. It wasn't a firearm. That's the point. All right? <laughs> Everyone, <laughs> you can all agree it wasn't a firearm. And I'm not making light of school shootings. All right, moving on. I wasn't the third shooter that didn't get caught. What are you talking about? <laughs> they marched through that cafeteria. I stayed behind and ate a burrito. <laughs> Walked right out with my hands up, just like everybody else. Hands up, fully erect. And they had no idea. They killed themselves in the library. I was in the corner reading Catcher in the Rye. <laughs> really identify with that Holden character. <laughs> really makes me want to murder a beetle. I don't know why. <laughs> There's so many references. I know. I feel like we've got There's no so way many anybody's layers. getting like all of the references. They might get one and the rest of it's going to be like, what the fuck are they talking about? Lasagna of references. You know, it's just, like, just so many fucking layers. By the time you get to the bottom, you're like, oh, it's too many layers. It's just too much. I'm so or you get cool. there and it's like, oh, there's no prize at the end of the rainbow. <laughs> Neat. <laughs> it was not worth the time I invested at all. Mm -mm. Well, over the following years, Ben's health continued to decline to the point that he was more often bedridden than not and became heavily reliant on opiates. In 1784, that didn't stop him from righting one of the biggest moral wrongs. He became an ardent slavery abolitionist and said that the duty of Congress was to secure, quote, the blessings of liberty to the people of the United States without distinction of color. In April of... I don't know why I'm giving him such a gruff... He's so badass. Westernly voice. <laughs> He's such a badass. There's no way he sounded that way. <laughs> oh, I bet you he did. Hey, I'm Ben Franklin. National bird should have been a turkey. I'm going to fuck all your women. That's exactly what it sounded like. Okay. I need bifocals because I need to read and also see distance at the same fucking time. You got a problem with that? I'll kick your fucking ass. Fair enough. In April of 1790, 
Ben became confined to his bed with a heavy cough and labored breathing. Yeah. Uh, hey, hey, guys. Hey, I'm Brad. I, I heard you talking about heavy cough and labored breathing. Uh, it reminded me of my story of my grandma. Steve, what the fuck are you doing back in here? Well, you guys got so many fucking boxes of cheeses. You think I'm just going to go home? <laughs> Come Those on, man. Those are for Wolf Dick. No, no. He's fine. He's fine. He's got What do that. you want? Well, so, you know, you, you mentioned heavy cough and labor breathing. <laughs> that happened to my grandma, you know, during uh, the early parts of 2020. It was the craziest fucking thing. She'd been healthy all her whole life, and that just popped up out of nowhere and killed her. But the government tried to tell me it was some made-up fucking disease called covid and i was like oh come on come on bro that's 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 not some real shit that's just some fauci lies to try and control us they want us to wear these face coverings you know right, <laughs> get, right. get these shots with these 5g implants mm-hmm. and uh you know what sometimes old people just fucking die just randomly of mysterious diseases that we'll never solve you know that's all that's all that reminded me of i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but i remember you had the I, I will use big air quotes face mask, and I saw your picture on Facebook yeah, where it was a crochet-netted face mask that had a three-inch in diameter hole right where the mouth goes. Yeah. So that you can be compliant, but obviously you're making a giant statement. Yeah, funny enough, my grandma made that on her deathbed. You know, she was on that respirator in the uh, hospital. She's like crocheting until they had to turn her over and lay her stomach because she couldn't get enough air. Or whatever. Okay, but, all right. But well, you know, she didn't finish it. That's why the hole was there. She didn't have time. Is that why? <laughs> yeah, she. Uh, she. Yes, that's why the hole was there. I don't. I don't know why you would question that. Even though we met at a truck stop, and that's the only reason I found out about this show is, you know, you. You and that uh, hand puppet with the lipstick wouldn't stop talking about your podcast, you know? But uh, <laughs> That was the old me. Thank you, Steve. Will you go back downstairs? Uh, I'm going to go with some Jesus. All right, I'll see you guys later. <sighs> Jesus fucking Christ. He's the worst character that has ever graced our show. I don't know why you didn't butt in. Uh, well, It was all me, dude. You know. I don't want to, like, upset the apple cart. I like everybody. I want everybody to listen to the show, because I'm like, well, maybe he's got some good points. Maybe we can, like, bring in uh, 37% of the population into our audience. I don't, There's got to be a neutral ground here. And, you know, I got accused of being woke in a review, and that's really hit me really fucking hard, so I kind of got to, like, fair time to everybody, you know? Okay. Well, you see what that gets you. Maybe some good points. I don't know. I don't know, you know? <laughs> So like I was saying before, I was so rudely interrupted by the China virus denier. Mm-hmm. Ben Franklin was confined to his bed with the heavy cough and the labored breathing. And over the following 10 days, he only got out of bed once, and that was so the bed could be made and he could, quote, die in a decent manner. End quote. <laughs> so badass. He spun his revolver and reholstered it. Clint Eastwood, Jesus. On April 17th, an abscess in his lung burst, and Benjamin Franklin died at the age of 84. Throughout his life, Ben Franklin was a tradesman, folksy author, created libraries, fire departments, militias, united the colonies, signed the Declaration of Independence, created an alliance with France, negotiated peace with England, and signed the Constitution. He was also a man-whore who neglected his own family and spent the last half of his life living in leisure in Europe. Either way, he was an interesting man, and you can see why he is the favorite president of so many Americans. End of story. Woo! We did it. Told that story of Ben Franklin. Learned a lot. Didn't know a lot about him. I'm going to be honest. It was always like this mythical figure I didn't know a whole lot about. And the things I did know about him weren't accurate. Because I still, as an adult, believe that he got struck by lightning and directed to a key. And that's basically my extent of Ben Franklin knowledge. He invented lightning, but okay. (laughs) But there are a few things that we have left out. A few things left in this story to kind of wrap it up. Just little, little tidbits. Little bits of tid that will tell you the rest of Ben Franklin's story, and we call those things 
the fast facts. Fast fact number one. In 1775, Ben spotted a marine drummer with a rattlesnake painted on his drum along with the words, Don't Tread on Me. In an anonymous article, Ben suggested this should be the symbol and motto for America's fight. A delegate from South Carolina named Christopher Gadsden saw the article, designed a flag, and it was flown in battle in 1776 and has been flown from the back of giant pickups with truck nuts since 2016. Fast fact number two. While Ben was in France, his reputation as a mad scientist led the English spies to report that he was coming up with some crazy schemes. This included building giant mirrors to direct the sunlight towards England to sink their navy, building a giant chain and using it to send massive electric shocks to the English mainland, and using oil to disrupt the seas to create tidal waves. Fast fact number three. In 1779, Ben wrote a letter addressed to the Royal Academy of Brussels to suggest they study the causes and cures of farting. He became the first person to write how different foods and minerals change the odor of farts and suggested that the Academy develop a chemical that could be added to food to make farts smell like perfume. Unfortunately, he only sent this letter to his friends as a joke instead of sending it to the Royal Academy Otherwise, just think where humanity would be today. Fast fact number four. Not only did Ben write to Congress urging the abolition of slavery, he came up with a detailed plan on how to integrate the freed slaves into society quickly and efficiently. But, like George Washington, he didn't quite practice what he preached, and he didn't free his own slave until he died. That man, named Bob took to drinking upon being freed, and he couldn't support himself. He asked to be re-enslaved, but Ben's daughter Sally refused. Instead, they took Bob in and allowed him to live as a part of the family for the rest of his life. All right, well, that does it. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed this series on Ben Franklin. Hope you learned a lot. Very interesting fellow. Multifaceted. Did a lot of great things for America. Did a lot of shitty things in his personal life. But that is the end of our Ben Franklin series, and it is also the kickoff to our summer break. We're going to take a little time off because Gregory is having a child. We're all excited for that. We're, we're looking forward to that, and hopefully he's willing to come back after his paternity leave. You know, you never know. You just never know how that's going to go. But... While you're waiting for us to come back, you can check us out at HunterProofHistory.com. You'll find a little biographic information. You'll find a link to our Patreon, where just $3 a month, you have access to 39 classic episodes, over 65 mini-episodes that we call Hangovers, and two-day early access to new releases. You can also check us out on social media at 100ProofHistory where we post memes and stuff related to the story, little little bits of information you won't find anywhere else. But that is it. Thank you again. We love you. For myself, Christopher, your sexy co-host. For Wolf Dick, our esteemed invalid producer. For sweet, innocent Hambone, who's just confined to his sarcophagus. Not for our ultra-conservative listener and contributor, Steve. We all say thank you, and we ask main host, best host, future daddy host, Gregory, what else? Like Chris said, having a child, so it might be a little bit, but in the meantime, I hope you guys have uh, fun in the sun, you soak up those rays, unless you, you don't have like a high chance of like melanoma or something, and then it's like, okay, maybe you should stay in the shade. (laughs) But other than that, I look forward to talking with you guys again. Please excuse me for a bit while I welcome my demon hellspawn into this world. Goodbye. Goodbye! I was coming up with a joke, but I was like, no, it's, well, that's too dark. <laughs> what is it? I want to hear it. I want to hear it. No, I was just going to say, I, I got...
I only got to eat bran for breakfast, but it was only bran that my uncle harvested from small children that he murdered from their stomachs. <laughs> God. <laughs> That's why I was like, I can't. Uh, regurgitated bran from dead children. Not regurgitated, cut out of their stomachs. Oh, not digested yet. It hadn't made it. Correct. Okay, fair enough. God. Not only was it bran, <laughs> it was dead kid bran. It was so... It's double bad. I mean, Bran has no flavor, you know? It's just awful. No kid wants that. Actually is one of my favorite moments in American history. Mine was when he pulled down his shirt and said, not welcome. 